0: One of your big themes here at the conference has been your insistence on the fact that the words we use and the language we express ourselves in are really determinant in our not just our attitude towards the natural, world, but how we behave. Maybe we should talk a little bit about that, about why you think that's so important. You know, a lot of your life, one of your big intellectual challenges have been this idea of reconciling indigenous wisdom and ways of knowing with the Western scientific approaches, Mm -hmm. something that's very difficult to reconcile, but that's been your life's work. And you've often used the term being bicognitive. Mm -hmm. Now you're sort of talking about being plurilingual. Um, Mm -hmm. So maybe let's explore that a bit. Well, obviously, it's
1: complicated to talk about the limits of a language in that language, but that also makes it interesting. For me, it started to become clear when I wrote Intelligence in Nature, and I was doing this 15 years ago. And so English is my mother tongue. I also speak French. I know that when you go from one language to another things don't necessarily translate. So I think that experience of having grown up with several languages and then Spanish and then a bit of German, I'm not bragging. <laughs> Actually, I feel my head's relatively small. I know some people who can speak a whole bunch of languages. But anyway, as I was writing Intelligence in Nature, I still had the reflex of most people of just to think that the words that are in our mother tongue are normal. They're, you know, so intelligence well everybody knows what intelligence is or we think we do or okay you can look in the dictionary and there's a definition and all right so my book is going to be about intelligence in nature but the more i started looking into the subject the problem with the word emerged fairly quickly so intelligence is a word that comes from the latin interlegere to choose between so it's in western tongues and if you look in the Dictionary: the definition of the word is often in exclusively human terms, which means that it can't really be applied to other species if we're strict with words. So then you think, well, wait a second, how come intelligence is in exclusively human terms? Well, you look into it and you realize that there's this thing in Western cultures human exclusivity this whole idea that humans have things that the others don't and there's like a kind of a long shopping list that western thinkers have tended especially modern western thinkers to line up as being what makes us above all other species you think but hold on what is this above other species business I mean we're all we're mammals after all So where is the above? Well, we we say there's a whole list of things that humans do and that other species don't do. And intelligence is one of them, that over the, the centuries, Western thinkers have said humans have intelligence and the others have instinct. Well, or... But
0: those goalposts have moved quite a bit, right? Because a lot of recent research on animal I mean, When right. you wrote your book, it was early, but now there's been a right. lot, a lot to yeah. But
1: when a Japanese researcher showed that a slime mold could solve a maze and used the word intelligence in Nature magazine in 2002... All the Western commentators said, wait, this, you can't use the word intelligence for a single cell of slime.
0: I remember he said that if he used the word cleverness, they were
1: better Smart, it. Smart. Yeah. Smart. Yeah, smart. So it was obvious that there was this human supremacist thing lurking in the word intelligence. Okay. And then I found that it was also lurking in the word nature. So that if you look in the dictionary, nature is defined as the phenomenon of the physical world, plants, animals, and the landscape as opposed to humans and human creations. This is the Oxford English Dictionary definition of the word. As opposed to humans and human creations. Nature is everything that is not human. And anthropologists have pointed out that this is a concept specific to Western cultures. So you go to the Amazon and ask people there how they say everything that is not human. They say, no, we think plants and animals are people like us. Mm -hmm. We don't have this idea, everything that is not human. So then you think, okay, no, so let's wind the tape back. So English is my mother tongue. Uh, nature, we know I like nature. Nature's plants and animals. Okay, but it means everything that is not human. Yeah, it's kind of a weird concept. I thought that nature was a natural concept. I thought nature existed. I like nature. I'm a friend of nature. <laughs> but actually, the,
0: the concept is this weird concept. That, and so and w- what do you distance. think about how to transcend, uh, to, to deal with that? Because as you were saying... The only languages we have are the ones that, that we are raised with. So well, how to, is there any is it, escape? Yeah, there's escape. Like, for
1: example, I tend to not use the word nature. I tend to say plants and animals or uh, the, the living world or uh, all living organisms or, you know, the biosphere. Or the web of life. Or the that. web of life. There's a whole, all, all mm-hmm. kinds of ways of talking. But, you know, that. so then... Both intelligence and nature are centered on humans, but in opposed ways. In fact, intelligence and nature, if you're strict with words, is a contradiction in terms because intelligence excludes non-humans and nature excludes humans. Mm -hmm. But that just shows that our categories or our concepts have these um, blind angles. So I think this is interesting, but it means that if we want to move forward with understanding what we would call intelligence in nature, or uh, let's just say the uh, full capacities of all living organisms, if we want to understand that, doing away with concepts that put a difference between us and the other species seems like a good move. In other words, okay, if intelligence is problematic because it's irremediably a human exclusivity, forget about it. We need a new concept. If nature is problematic because it also excludes humans and puts a difference between us and and other species, then we don't need it. We can use alternatives. The point is to do away with these artificial barriers that we've erected in our minds and in our vocabularies. And surely there must be a link between... So we put ourselves above all other species a priori and actually... On on what criteria has never really been clear. There's no physico chemical difference between us and these other species. Why is it that, you know, so it's actually so like this God given right that sort of God said that humans are in God's image and all the rest are just there for us to use? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, f- I'm I'm an agnostic. That's more a monotheistic uh, problem. Well, but I think that there are monotheistic roots to this, Mm -hmm. and there's probably this kind of seeing humans apart from the other species might actually be the roots of monotheism,
0: too. So I think mm-hmm. it it
1: works both uh, ways.
0: There is a, a sort of more underground philosophical tradition in the West of panpsychism, this idea that consciousness permeates everything mm-hmm. in the universe, even inanimate. Mm-hmm. What we think of as inanimate which is probably another problematic mm-hmm. word. So b- Still, but
1: uh, you know. note that the the, let's call it the capitalist world that has been established, this sort of huge industry, market-driven, worldwide distribution, containers, plastic, objects made all over the place. Uh, That world is a world that has considered plants and animals as objects, Mm -hmm. not as subjects. So there's Mm -hmm. humans on one hand. They're the subjects, they're the consumers, and all the rest are objects. We can wrap them in plastic and sell them, Mm -hmm. and that's what's going on. So this view that humans are somehow above all the rest and can do with all the rest what they want
0: is the world we live in. And do you think that this struggle to rethink language or reshape language so that this is a linguistic battle that could actually have effects in the real world of commerce and of... you know that's a good question, but uh,
1: I mean, obviously, if all one had to do was think clearly, and then the world would <laughs> change. <laughs> uh, the <you> Marxist <laughs> mistake. You know, <laughs> um, it's more complicated than that. So it may not be sufficient, but it's um, necessary. You know, and actually, the link—it's really interesting—the link between the language in which we think and our acts. Actually, you know, people tell me that I'm not the same person in French or in English, and apparently, with bilingual people, a lot of people who know them say this is that because you aren't the same in mm. in a, the other language simply because it's not the same vessel it's like you know a a glass of wine in a tiny little thing or the same wine in a big glass where you can get the so it's not just the wine it's also the the glass in which you drink it and that's how i see a language
0: so jeremy um the idea of your work uh, having come at a time when very few uh, people were open to this idea of intelligence in nature. Forgive the use of those two terms, but it was the title of your book. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, have you seen progress in terms of the mainstream scientific establishment in terms of catching up with the ideas that you expressed in, in that book? And do you see hope there? Or do you think it's just partial penetration and much more needs to be done?
1: Yeah, actually, the, the funny thing was that uh, obviously my experience is specific, uh, you know, to, to the quirk of what I lived. But the the quirk of what I lived was publishing Intelligence in Nature in 2005, the book was mainly ignored, like it was non-reviewed and so on. Then in the months that followed and then the years that followed, the examples of intelligence in nature reported by scientists kept on cropping up new ones, like some have said there's been a revolution in vegetal biology since 2005. I mean, the the timing was almost perfect, not for book sales because the (laughs) book didn't sell, but it's like all that science has produced since then has been an enormous confirmation of the capacities, the surprising capacities of plants, of unicellulars, of fungi, of trees and networks of trees and interspecies communications. And at this point, there's no articles on stupidity in nature (laughs) and thousands of articles and bits of research on these surprising capacities of All kinds of species, including communication, learning, remembering, perceiving, even plants—they perceive, they smell, they hear. It's just been demonstrated that plants can hear. You know, the sound of water and so on. So there's all this research that has unfolded in the last uh, decade. Has uh, it's been like a snowball? So, yeah, clearly it's, um, it's been shifting. And it, it's funny how it happens because for so long the subject of the intelligence of plants and so forth, this is almost like a, a taboo subject. Well, hippie. It sounded like hippie nonsense, right? Yeah, but now it's like everybody knows that plants mm. are intelligent. So I'm really happy. These things usually take longer. Now There's I don't think there's any argument. I mean yeah people can actually say oh well is the word intelligence appropriate for plants mm-hmm. and so on but, but actually plants are now on board it's clear that they are sentient beings they perceive mm-hmm. they communicate they learn they remember they recognize one another etc all plants and animals are objects in the eye of the law except some are starting to receive personhood except person is another one of these human-centered concepts. The, the first definition of the word, if you look in the dictionary, is a, a human being regarded as an individual. So by definition, this is what critics uh, say, you can't grant personhood to other species because it's, it doesn't make sense. Although uh, the French is a weird one because it's person and no one. Yeah, and, and the etymology person in the Greek is, refers to a mask, right. and a mask is can apply to anybody in other words person is a one of these complicated concepts and it's probably going to get on the list of uh concepts that need to be avoided
0: if in you, your in your linguistic you know, uh, dictionary yeah, getting
1: down from the pedestal <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to drop that one too i, I think
0: we just came up with uh, you know your next writing project you know <laughs> the list yeah